Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I have a great discussion with one of the legends when it comes to family life education. We sit down with the one and only Dr. Wally Goddard and challenge assumptions we have about communication and conflict management skills. We shift the dialogue and focus on virtues, values, getting our hearts right, and seeing the world from our partner's perspective. After receiving a PhD in family and human development from Utah State University, Wally was a professor at Auburn University and later at the University of Arkansas. He created many award-winning programs on personal well-being, marriage, and parenting. Wally has written, edited, or co-authored several books, including Discoveries, Between Parent and Child, Drawing Heaven into Your Marriage, The Soft-Spoken Parent, and Finding Joy in Family Life. In 2010, he won the National Award for Outstanding Family Life Educator. Wally and Nancy have three children and 14 grandchildren. I think you're going to love this episode. Hey friends, welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University, alongside my co-host, Dr. Liz Hale, licensed clinical psychologist. And we are dedicating our time and our resources to bringing you the very best, the tips, the tools, and the help to help you have the marriage of your dreams. And I have been actually waiting a long time, months, months and months for this interview today. I couldn't be more excited to have on our, our special guest today. This is um, a man who I've known for, I don't know, it's been 17, almost almost 20 years. This is Dr. Wally Goddard, and he is one of the best family life educators, in my opinion, who has ever lived in one of the most kind and gentle people next to his sweet wife, Nancy. So Dr. Wally, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Dave. So good to be with you and Liz. Yeah, it's great to have you on today. Um, Wally, I wish that uh, we had like four hours. Um, we would be, be nice? we would be having chips and salsa and all kinds of fun stuff, right? Uh, yep, that'd be great. Hey, so you've given your your life, I mean, decades of your life, Wally, to to reading, to learning, to developing and delivering programs on parenting, on positivity and and couple relationships. In fact. Your most recent book, uh, you've written over, over a dozen books. Your most recent one, Wally, is one of my favorites, and that is really an accumulation of this this wisdom that you have gathered. It's called Discoveries, right? It's the um, essential truths for for relationships. Tell us a little bit about, about that book before we jump in. Yeah, um, 
You know, I tried to summarize the great lessons that I've learned from studying the research and doing research and working with people. And uh, I've organized them into three broad areas, our relationship with ourselves, with our partners, and with our children. And so that's why the subtitle is Essential Truths for Relationships, because, wow, if we get those right, wow, what a difference that makes in our lives. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, those simple, simple truths that you have taught for so long and so well. Um, Wally, let me, let me kick things off with just a, a simple question. But what is it that you love most about helping others flourish in their life journeys? Wow. Um, you know, there's a mixed uh, reaction there. I mean, the one of the greatest sadnesses of my life is to see that so many people struggle without knowing, without seeing a way out, without seeing a way forward, without having any idea what to do. And so one of the greatest satisfactions is when people who feel lost and who are struggling can be equipped with some simple truths. Um, and, and I might note those are often paradoxical. Very often the things we assume are true turn out to be actually counterproductive. But when you can equip people with some solid research-based truths that will help their lives move forward, wow, it just doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. So true. You know, with this discovery, as you said, Wally, that the first category is relationship with self. Is that right? Yes. yes. And I, I love what you had said. I read somewhere about self-love. You and I feel very much the same way about this whole society's dedication to self-love, right? Got to love yourself. Do you mind just saying something about self-love? What, what, what a, better, a better term would be? as we're learning to really put self in perspective as we enter and, and embrace our marriages and our parenting roles? turns out that the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself. Again, one of those paradoxes. Um, we, when we get devoted to, to the people we care about and the causes in, that, that are important to us, then our lives become more meaningful. One mm-hmm. way to think about it is the way Roy Baumeister talks about it. He says that when... When our focus is on ourselves, then inevitably our lives will become more and more meaningless. Um, We lose meaning because in life, our health, well-being, our strength, and ultimately life force um, ebb with with time. And and so as, as we decline, our lives will become smaller and smaller unless... Our lives have been dedicated to giving and, and serving and building and strengthening, in which case there's no end. There's no end to the, the good that comes from from what our lives have done. That whole term of self-esteem, I don't hear about it nearly as much as maybe in the 80s, but I am never more miserable than when I'm all wrapped up in me, right? Me, myself, and I. And, and, and much to say how I feel about myself has a lot to do with how I treat you, Right. How I treat my husband, Ben, that really determines how I just feel about me. Yeah. And and when we can get to the point of just being peaceful and saying, you know, even when we feel hurt or left out or insulted, if we can just kind of set that aside, not let that um, create a total eclipse of everything else, when we can just be peaceful and say, hey, maybe the reason that person rejected me or whatever is because they're hurting Maybe it's not in the end all about me, and uh, <laughs> about I, that. Yeah, I, I guess um, we we sometimes assumed as a, as a culture that that um, loving ourselves is at the opposite extreme from hating ourselves, and and I would say 
something very different from that. I would say those two are remarkably similar to each other. Both are forms, different forms, a more positive and a negative form of self-absorption. And, and the opposite from self-absorption is, is really a, an other orientation. And uh, as Dave knows, I, I consider my beloved wife to be one of the best examples of that. She just is dedicated to loving and serving, and, and she would prefer to not talk about herself. And uh, wow, that's so, I think, unusual. But it's so amazing how peaceful Nancy is as she goes about finding so many ways in which to make life better for people around her. Uh, she sounds beautiful. I love that you challenge the popular opinion about the way, uh, the key to flourishing relationships. There's so much talk about the importance of conflict skills and communication skills. And you say mm-hmm. there's something much deeper and more important than skills. Oh, what man. is that, please? Oh, man, yes. So we can be very skillful. And think about people you've known who are skillful. And some of them are kind and generous, but some of them you feel after any contact with them like you've just been exploited uh, or used for their purposes. And and um, yeah, something much higher than, than that is the quality of our hearts. Do we really care deeply? And in the end, um, it isn't the skillfulness, it's the goodness of heart. It's the generosity, it's the kindness that really determines the quality of our relationships. So I need. I think we need to wave a, a red flag and say, yeah, developing skills is great, but don't count on those to rescue your relationships. If you don't improve the quality of your intentions, your, your generosity, your appreciation, your lovingness, then then no number of skills will rescue your relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, well, I've heard you say often, it's, it's more about will than skill. It's about getting our, our hearts right and having that compassion and that outward mindset of seeing another person as someone who, who has hopes and dreams, who needs to be cherished instead of a certain phrase or something that I can, an I statement, if I can get this just right. Um, so I love the way that you put that. Another thing that I, I love, and I actually quote you, I probably quote you every day while I need to be honest in presentations and things that I give is one of my favorites is irritation is an invitation. I love that. Will you tell oh, us man. more about that as, as far as what, you know, what we can do better in our relationships when we feel just irritated with, with our partner? Yeah. 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 Sometimes we think irritation is a real truth teller. You know, this person is doing something that offends me and I need to somehow express that. I need to set a boundary. I need to, um, I need to manage this. And, um, maybe irritation instead is an invitation. Maybe it means we haven't understood the other person. Maybe it means we haven't understood their heart and their needs and the real heart of their expression. So I see irritation. If I feel myself being a little bit irritated, I say, hold on, Ollie. What's what's behind that? Maybe maybe really you failed to understand the person and understand their needs and understand what they're really asking or saying. And so I try to to say, anytime I feel that slightest hint of irritation, turn it into an invitation. An invitation to enlarge my compassion, enlarge my understanding, ask a few questions and even maybe maybe do some clarifying, but but to not allow it to become an excuse to dump on another person. You're sure it's not my husband? 
and those irritating idiosyncrasies. <laughs> I can be well, so sure it is, right? I'm so sure it's him, not me. And Liz, don't you think that the, the beauty of uh, being married or in a long-term committed relationship is that we can ritualize our irritation. We're pre-irritated yeah. because there are certain things they do or we know they will be doing. They will be doing. Yes, I brace myself. Yes, that is very true. So it's, the in, so it's, it's, in, it's internal. It's in me, right? Yes. It's in my ability to love him as is, let's say. Yeah, and it's ultimately... A choice, a, a regular and uh, an important choice that we say, hold it. I don't, I don't have to be in reactive mode. I don't have to walk around being irritated by everything everyone does when they fall short of my standards. Instead, it can be an open heart and open mind to understand and appreciate what they do and why it's important to them. Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. Like, why is this so important to him? Getting really curious, right? Not furious. Ooh. Like I've heard Dave and I both have used that that term quite a bit. Get curious. Yeah. And hurt people, hurt people, right? I think that there's always a reason why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that is so interesting. You, in one of your books, you also quote Susan Page, um, who said, asking your partner to change is the most common relationship problem-solving technique in the world, right? We give it all the time in marriage therapy, yet it's the least effective it's common for couples to get irritated and then point out the character flaw in their partner, and that just doesn't work well at all. Correct? Yeah. 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 And and um, it's just the automatic default human uh, uh, approach, which is to ask someone to change. And what we're really saying is, you know, if all of you out there would get organized, you could really minister to my happiness. And uh, I'd like you to get busy doing that. Which would be really nice if the whole objective of the universe was to make me happy. If the objective of the universe is primarily to help us grow, then that's a really bad strategy. And and um, as as Daniel Wiley has said, that, that there is in every relationship some unresolvable difference. It some things that are not going away, and we can see those as uh, deal breakers. We can see them as as uh, continuing irritations, or we can see them as invitations, invitations to grow and to appreciate um, a person who's a little different from us and has different preferences. So yeah, it's, it comes back to getting curious. We'll be right back after this brief message. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. 
Well, I, I think, let me kind of go back to the beginning stages of, of relationships. You know, often we'll, we'll romanticize and we will idealize. And early on, it feels like things are, man, things are wonderful. And you came to our daughter Chandler and John. We had him up actually last night for, for Sunday dinner. And that that first year, even the first couple of years, it's this time where, it's, you know, we, we watch their wedding video and we kind of celebrate and look how romantic and everything and fun is. And then kind of the newness wears off of the, the newlywed um, stage. You've talked a little bit about this kind of 80%. You know, we focus on the 80% that we like instead of the 20% that we that kind of irritates us a little, little bit. Do you want to expand a little bit about that and, and any other advice you have for Chandler and John and, and, and other newlyweds, <laughs> those who are kind of in the beginning stages who are, this isn't, you know, what we thought it would be like. Well, that's such an important area. You know, John Gottman talks about in, in the early stages of a relationship, we have a very strong positive sentiment override. Just this, this reservoir of positivity and appreciation and it makes things so wonderful, but but as um, as we all know, somewhere around maybe a couple of years, we say, you know, I've been pre- working pretty hard to fix this person, and and they ain't fixed. They're just still they're making some mistakes, and and I thought they would uh, have those worked out by now. And so um, if we go to that eighty twenty, Dave, I, I that's just my estimate that maybe. Maybe in a reasonably healthy relationship, there's about 80% of our spouse that we like. And I'm not talking about a day of irritation nor a day of vacation, but rather on a typical average, maybe 80% we really appreciate. Which leaves, of course, that 20% that we could be irritated about, frustrated about, wish would change. And And then here's the fundamental choice. Will I spend my time thinking about that 20% and worrying about it and talking about it and pushing towards changes there, or will I think about that 80%? Will I every day say, in, in my case, I am so grateful for Nancy's kindness. Um, and and I could think about, well, Nancy's not especially good at this or that, but I can think about, I have never known a kinder person than Nancy. And my life is so much richer because of that. So the first the first idea is the focus, the focus. If we allow our focus to to move towards that 20%, which is inevitable, there is some part of our spouse that is not quite the way we wish it were. Um, and we can focus on that or we can allow our focus to stay. We can keep our focus on that, that 80%. And when we do, wow, we just feel so so grateful and and are filled with a continuing sense of appreciation and and the way Jonathan Hyde talks about it is we don't expect romance to sustain us we allow friendship to sustain us over time and and friendship grows as we appreciate the good things about our partner now <clears throat> if we talk a little more about that 20% um as a student of of the research Dave you would know that um John Gottman has said Okay, there in every part there are some there's some things that we don't like. And he says approximately 70% of that is never going to change. You can be mad about it, you can talk about it endlessly, you can go to therapy, and some part of that of what you don't like is not going to change. So um you can uh keep running at the rock wall and hit your head against it all you like. And if that makes you happy, do it. 
but it's probably going to be bad for the relationship. But then some people, those who are um, maybe slightly devious, would say, okay, if 70% of what I don't like cannot change, then there's 30% of what I don't like that could change. But there's a conundrum there as well. Um, as John Gottman found in his research, that the only way to get your partner to change is by loving them the way they are. So, so when we focus on that on that 80%, the part we like and appreciate, we get the gift of this small change. It's a bonus for choosing to be charitable, choosing to be kind, choosing to be gracious, choosing to be appreciative. When we get this small gift, when, when we choose to dwell on what we don't like, um, we make ourselves miserable and we damage the relationship and we really hurt another human being. Ouch, yep. Indeed. And boy, I certainly would want my husband to focus on the better parts of me, right? Not the worst parts. So it goes both directions, right? Please don't focus on those terrible yeah. qualities of mine. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Those perpetual problems, they're just never going to go away, are they? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, right. yeah. and, and we can see those as just a nuisance, or we can say, yeah. huh, the whole design of life is to cause me to grow, to cause me to be more appreciative, more open to other people in their way of being. And, and when I when I choose to see the wonderful gift that is, then it changes everything. But if I am resentful and complaining and yeah. and when I ruminate a lot on the things I wish were different, it just fills me with discontent. It, it does indeed. Whatever I focus on grows. Right. So it's those perspectacles. Yes. I've got to really focus on what am I, my, my vision, right? My rose colored glasses or other colored glasses. I can so understand and relate to that. You also talk, Wally, about noticing and understanding our partner, their bids for connection and even entering their world of experience. Let me see it from your perspective. Why is that so important for stronger marriage connection? One of the things that I believe deeply is that people do what they do for reasons that make sense to them. And when the things my partner, uh, when when the things she does don't make sense to me, it's because I don't understand. There's a perfect logic. I just haven't grasped it yet. That perfect logic she has, and, and there's a wonderful logic to what she does. Um, and so when I'm irritated, I can know that um, I have not yet adequately entered her world. I have not yet done the work of understanding why that makes so much sense to Nancy. And that's a, a stretch, especially if we're feeling irritated, then what we want to do is back up and dump a load of discontent on our partners. But if I can just, if I can be peaceful and say, hey, I didn't quite understand that. Is Are you thinking this? I am fairly surprised how often... Nancy introduces something I didn't even know about that that makes her choice so noble, so sensible. And uh, so it really requires, and, and Dave knows one of the things I recommend as a foundation for marriage is humility, which is really the openness to different person, their way of being, their logic chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I... Even I'm thinking about that and just understanding if we can slow down, have that humility. We also found in some of the research that we've done with compassion and, and positivity, those virtues, 
as the the foundation, even if we don't agree necessarily, because I don't think we're going to ever find that we agree on on everything. But it's maybe not so much about agreement, but willing to to see it from their perspective, and like you say, understand it, even if we don't agree with it. I think that that's where compassion is. The ah, I can see why you would think that way or want things that way. Um, so I, I I love that. I love that being able because we're going to have differences. We have differences in our our strengths, even our personality differences. I know you and um, you and Nancy, for example, different personalities. Me and Jamie and, and Liz and Ben, all of this, we're not going to line up exactly. Uh, you, you use that analogy often, Wally, that I love and, and will often use about two different you know houses and, and coming together, you know, take a half a house, half a house and ram them together and think the plumbing's going to align, electricity. Things are not going to, to align. So walk us through maybe um, strategies, Wally, for people when when there's some differences, there's some some challenges, and yeah, maybe I can understand, but, but man, we feel like we're getting into this this gridlock, or we have these differences, managing differences in healthy ways. What do you what do you recommend there? Wow, great question. Um, it's a big question. I I think the starting point is to get peaceful. When when we can self soothe enough to, that we are no longer reactive and accusatory. But we're curious, as Liz said, we're, we're really open. So when we get peaceful and then, and then we maybe take some time to think about, why does that make perfect sense to my partner? And then we might ask the question and say, I was, I was just a little surprised that you chose to do it this way. Can you tell me about, about that? And, and incidentally, just even the way we ask the question needs to be sensitive to our partner. Um, Nancy is not confrontational, so I have to be really soft in my approach, or or I will overwhelm her own internal logic. And if I want to hear, um, if I want to hear the voice of a gentle person, I have to be really still. I have to be really open. I have to be really quiet. And and uh, loudness does not equate with rightness. And, and so, though I may be able to express myself pretty strongly, it doesn't make me more accurate. So, so I've had to learn to, to be more still, more quiet, more open, and say, um, Nancy, I, um, you did such and such today, and, and I thought that was interesting, and I, I just wonder what you were thinking. And, and, and that has to be done, of course, in a really non-confrontational way. And if I do that, then then Nancy will say, well, I was worried about such and such. And almost always what Nancy tells me is, oh, I didn't even think of that. I just kind of assumed that everybody would come in strong and hit hard and, and it would work out. And, and Nancy sees things that I don't see. And uh, if I'm humble and compassionate, and if I'm really appreciative of Nancy, then I... I learn a lot. I, I, I was thinking, um, and well, that's a perfect example of that's not about a skill, right? That's about getting our, our hearts right. And about uh, it's this awareness that you see, you're, you're noticing, you're watching her, maybe some of her nonverbals, and you, you approach that in a soft way um, because you, you know her and you deep down, it's not a skill to try to, you know, say things in a certain way, but it's this genuine approach um, for understanding and, and compassion. You're right. It starts with, with humility. And you know, Dave, how the emphasis that's been so popular for decades on communication techniques is um, very worrisome to me. 
the assumption behind that seems to be if I can if I can express my discontent in really fair, gentle ways, then you can change and I can be happy. Um, boy, there is a lot of egocentrism in that formula. In, in contrast, uh, while I think there's lots to be learned about communication, ultimately, it's the quality of our hearts that will determine the outcome of our interaction. It's it's not the subtle forms of statements. It's the It's the willingness in our heart to learn from each other. With the example with Ben Erler, if you don't mind if I go back to that, um, I was pretty prideful that I thought he was being very judgmental. And who's being judgmental now, right? <laughs> I'm judging you being judgmental. It's kind of funny still what you're saying is when my heart is right, I get a little more curious and like, wow, you have some really strong feelings about what happened in this leadership quorum, right? And what, other, what certain people are doing. Tell me more about that. I'm on the same wavelength, Wally. Yeah, and when we get a little bit curious, it may be that there's some things unspoken that were really, would be really helpful. Like maybe, maybe Ben has a really deep value for something, and and that was hurt or offended. Or maybe Ben had a specific expectation for this person and was a little disappointed because the person didn't quite measure up or maybe maybe he's just tired and when when um somebody couldn't carry the ball uh in the direction that seemed right he um he felt the fatigue the the sadness um so there's so many things it could mean and and somehow allowing in a in a loving relationship allowing the other person to even be indignant sometimes or be be angry or judgmental and then be able to say as their spouse, but you're glad you're able to get that out. I'll, I'll bet it. Uh, I'll, I'll bet uh, having said that, you now can return to the compassionate, loving person. I, I appreciate so much. We can allow the other person to be a human instead of asking that they always be perfect and always minister to our expectations. That's beautifully said. That touches my heart. In your mind, dear Wally, what is the key to a stronger marriage connection? Wow. I I think it's that graciousness of heart. It's the goodness of heart. It's the willingness to be appreciative. It's the choice of positivity. It's um in in one point of view of charity. It's that it's just graciousness. And um, when we come to the relationship, just bringing our best and appreciating all the good we see, boy, good things happen. Well, Wally, I, you've used, um, borrow the, the positive illusions. How does that relate to some of what you're talking about? Do you want to explain a little bit about what positive illusions are? Well, we already knew from John Gottman that uh, five positives for each negative are a lot more important than the kind of relationship you have. We used to think that you had to have a certain kind of relationship or certain communication skills. We now know that it's the preponderance of positives that having five positives for each negative really predicts the uh, the course of a relationship. But then um, along comes some new research that says, um, you know, Sandra Murray found that when when in healthy relationships um, that People's, the partners see qualities in each other that nobody else sees. They're lifelong family members, they're best friends. In a lifelong relationship that's strong, 
people see qualities that no one else even sees. She calls them positive illusions. Um, my guess is they're not illusions. Um, my guess is we're seeing to the heart and the intentions, the goodness of a soul. We're, we're seeing beyond the superficial. And that only comes when, when we know a person really well and we have chosen to see what's really good inside, as opposed to being, you know, we're not physicians trying to find disease. We are partners looking for strengths and and then working with those strengths, appreciating those strengths and and balancing limitations. I know that there's some things that are hard for Nancy, and if I'm a good partner, I will jump in and help in those areas that I know are hard for Nancy. Um, and so that's that's what I love about um, Sandra Murray's work, the positive illusions that that we can get to the point. I think we're seeing we're seeing a truth that transcends the uh, apparent when we when we do the work of really paying attention and being open to goodness within our partner. What yeah. else would you like our listeners to know about Wally to have more closeness and connection in their relationship? I guess one thing I would add that's this kind of um, undergirds some of what we've said is it helps if we pay attention to our own irritation level. If I'm frustrated and unhappy, then um, I kind of have to deal with that before I go try to um, have a productive exchange with Nancy. So just and, and and I recommend compassion for ourselves that we recognize that sometimes we're tired and frustrated and lonely and and uh, just just worn out and to have a little compassion with ourselves and treat ourselves with the same kind of kindness that we would treat the best of friends. Um, so we have some self-compassion and get our own hearts right. We come back to that theme before we try to engage with our partner. When when we go into connection and, and we've got our sword drawn, um, there's going to be some bloodshed. And um, and that's probably not what we're after in a in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Wally, man, sure enjoyed our our conversation. There's so much. Uh, I call it Wally wisdom that we could uh, <laughs> learn from you. Where where can listeners Wally go to find out more information? I mean, you've got your own podcast, you've got books, you've got your website, all kinds of great information. I know that listeners are going to be wanting more of of Wally. Where can they go? You know, Dave. Um, for for people who are looking for books, I recommend going to the Amazon my Amazon author page. There on that page, they can see some of the books, and they're in the parenting area, and the personal well-being area, and the family area. And you, maybe a listener can find something that would be interesting to them. Um, and um, at various times, I've have web pages, but I I found that what seems to endure for me is Facebook. So I post things to Facebook about, for instance marriage retreats or different um, programs that I'm doing, as well as articles I write. I'm a regular uh, contributor to Meridian Magazine. So uh, Facebook and probably Amazon author page. All right. Awesome. Hey, before we let you go, Wally, um, here at Stronger Marriage Connection, we like to wrap things up with our takeaway of the day. We've talked about all kinds of, of stuff. If you could say, all right, here here's the message. Here's the, the take-home message you want listeners to to take away from our discussion today, what would it be? I guess it would be this. 
Um, the willingness to see goodness in your partner gets you more goodness. That choice to, to be gracious will get us more of um, the very things we want. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, Liz, what, what are you taking away from today? Well, I think it's certainly my pride that makes me see or focus on what's wrong. What's wrong with Ben, right? And it would be my heart that would allow me to better focus on what's right. What's right with what he's saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. That 80-20. It's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the, my takeaway of the day. There's all kinds of stuff that I, I love that Wally has said. This one I don't think we, we have mentioned, but Wally, I want to bring it up because um, it's it's been really impactful for me. In fact, I think you even bring it up when you're talking about parenting, but I'm going to apply it to relationships. That when, when there's um, hurt, when there's emotional hurt, when we've done something or, or our partner is, is hurting, our spouse, um, we need to be healers and not preachers. And not be so quick to jump in there and to tell them, oh, why, why didn't you think of that? Or why didn't you do this? Or call a name or do something like that, that we need to be healers. I love what um, Steve Young recently wrote about the law. I think the law of love. Um, anyway, he talks about how, our, how important it is to love first and to be healers. And I just love that concept of being that, that emotional first aid and offering that compassion, that, that kindness. Um, so important. Well, anything else? Is that anything that you're going through your brain that you want to share with us? Well, I love what you what you said, Dave. I think that when we, um, it's really obvious to us that, for instance, if somebody was injured and been hurt in an accident, we wouldn't go up to them and say, well, I guess you learned a powerful lesson. <laughs> um, we would drop to our knees and minister to mm -hmm. someone who was injured, who was hurting, who's lying by the side of the road, hurt. We And, and yet, for some reason, we haven't quite translated that into the emotional world. And when we see people hurting, what they need is assurance. They Assurance that we're with them, we love them and support them, and there is hope. And, um, and that's a good time to set aside problem solving and, uh, and bring forward investment in the relationship. I think that's the key. Yeah. We are really first responders in our intimate relationships, aren't we, Wally and yeah. Dave? And we'll see a lot of injuries, injuries, won't we, Liz, in the course of making the journey. No, we yeah. all have them. Yep. We yeah. get injured a lot. It's been such an honor. Yeah. It's a treat. Yeah. Wally, well, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Man, I wish we could go for, <laughs> we could go hours and hours, but we've, we've had a great time. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, Wally, that's all for now, my friends. Uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast remember to live the law of little things doing the little small and simple little things to to strengthen your relationship and we'll see you next time thanks for joining Bye -bye. See thanks for joining us today hey do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the utah marriage commission youtube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show when you hit the like button and leave a comment your feedback helps us improve the show and don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. 
Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. Finally, a big thanks to our producers, Rex Polanis, Kirsten Wilson, and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.